At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The total in the United States, including Hawaii and Alaska, 2,260,380 acres of public hunting land. Holy cow. Yeah. No excuse. All right, welcome to the Whiskey and Whitetails show, episode 89, coming to you on Labor Day, September 5th. As always, brought to you by the Waypoint Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us. And Matt's not here. I'm here. I'm not here. <laughs> not physically. Not yeah, physically. I'm out, out in Kentucky for the uh, Whitetail opener. Nice. I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, also, go I ahead. I want to say thank you to our patron real quick. Yeah, please. Thank you guys for sticking with us. Uh, some of them hit our one-year anniversary, and so those guys that will be getting a a plaque. We're gonna do a an official whiskey and white tails plaque, kind of like it's what did we what did I, how did I say we're gonna do it? We're gonna do it a uh, like a like a military plaque. Ridiculously, yeah. Oh, I officially, like, I was like we could do it real official, or we could do it real obnoxious. Yeah. And then you said and I said should, officially obnoxious. Officially obnoxious. That's the way we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so once uh, we figure out what that means, we'll. Uh, We'll yeah. get them pumped out and get them headed your way. Yeah, it's fun. It's good stuff. So thank you guys that have stuck around and been here for a year helping grow and massage the uh, the content and the channel and just the community uh, into what it is. So looking forward to another year and many to come afterwards. And the input. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, always. Oh, speaking of that, speaking of the content, dude, that, uh, that reel exploded. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah, I sent you a picture screenshots and I was like, I think someone bought yeah. likes and um and views for it i don't know if you could buy views and you're like why would someone do that and i was like to screw us screw us up make us look stupid yeah and then uh i was going through all the likes and i was like shit these are real people <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't see that and i mean i understand the point you were taking with like if there was someone that was wanting to be really even you know like as vindictive if that's the right word um and do some things to 
to target our, you know, engagement in a way that would cause Instagram and or Facebook or Meta, whoever's managing it, to suppress and kind of show our stuff less um, because it was, you know, suspected of a lot of bot activity. But I just don't, I don't, I don't know anyone. I can't think of anyone who would be want to be that malicious. So it didn't make sense well, to me. That or they would spend. They'd be like, "Oh, this is a good one. Um, let me help these guys out and buy them some views." That was the other side. Of I it see. I thought like, like an older person who doesn't understand that completely screws with everything. <laughs> oh yeah, thirty, thirty-six thousand five hundred fifty-eight plays, almost a thousand likes, seventy-three comments. It's a lot. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. It was fun. You know, um, the bickering and the back and forth in the. Uh, and the chat was entertaining, uh, you know, the uh, the whole, like, so we'll, we can probably put this to bed now if, if it's even worth it, but the whole, like, uh, for those that didn't see the video, you know, Matt ran some bourbon through a, uh, through a coffee maker over some Starburst uh, to see if it would make a, an interesting mixed drink, and it turns out it just makes some, some watered-down bourbon, and because you pour it into a giant coffee uh, pot, pot full of ice, with ice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's hot when it comes out but a gentleman who uh, on, on Facebook and I'm not going to give him the time of day by saying there his was, name or anything but was it more than just we him? we follow him oh, okay. we follow him yeah there, there was a few people that said that uh, you know just so you know now there's no alcohol in it because you uh, yeah. you went over 160 degrees which which is it's funny because if you think about it if a distillery only needed I mean how long does a coffee maker run? 30 seconds? if you could run a still for 30 seconds and get all of the alcohol out of it. I mean, that's pretty, that would, that would up our production. I think a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The point is, is that while, while they were correct, that alcohols, um, you know, will cook off at that certain temperature. It, it, it's for many, many hours. It it takes, it takes a long time. So it's not just the temperature. Um, it's directly correlated. Yeah. It's directly correlated to, to how long the alcohol or the distillate is exposed to that temperature. So, um, that seemed to be a hard concept for some people to grasp, but hey, you know. Well, I'm gonna tell you what I did. I bought a hydrometer. So you're gonna do it again and prove it. Video. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'm. That's just the kind of person I am. That is funny. What do you What do you got there? Yeah, I'm gonna pop a top. Let me see how that comes through on your pop. Yeah, I'm curious. And I'll tell you what it is. I'm gonna turn you up a bit. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, not yeah, bad. Sounded pretty good. It's <laughs> a really heavy top. So this is New York City's oldest whiskey distillery. Really? Was it like four years old? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, can you guess how old that is? It, it can't. It can't be that old. So did you know that there was a dist- one of the first distilleries was in New York City ah. uh, back in the day, but that's been long since closed down. But this one opened in 2010. That is the Kings County Distillery. Yeah. And every time we come to Kentucky, we have a chance to buy this stuff. I oh, yeah. We can't find it anywhere yeah. else. It's good so stuff. They didn't have, it's delicious. It's some of the best shit I've ever had. I don't know why they didn't. They didn't have Bald and Bond. They had some chocolate whiskey. They had some weird ones. But uh, there was one of these. I went through them all because you know, the, their labels are pretty weird. But I went through them all and kind of looked. Yeah. And I found a barrel proof. Oh, nice. Hundred and ten dollars, so it better be nice. I love those. I love those those labels. They're simple. They look like they were typed on a typewriter. You know, like and this is a this is a seven fifty. This is a bigger bottle. Oh wow, look at that shape. 
Huh. But it's uh, it's deeper. I don't know. It's a thick I thought boy. about making a video of it, like finding it out in the woods. The thick boy. Yeah, thick boy. <laughs> Let me see if, you can, see if you can hear the gloves. Dude, sounds good. Yeah? Yeah. Pretty cool. Wow, yeah. this is dark. I'm excited. What are you sipping on? A Penelope? Nope. I am going to... That was... Oh, not, a good one. It's an empty bottle, but... Yeah, it's actually, this is, this is, I was just going to see how it sounded. That is the Penelope bottle. But I am actually going to sip on this, uh, Jack Daniels Bonded. Oh, yeah. I, I literally just brushed my teeth, so I'm going to chug some water real quick. <laughs> before I give this a, uh, a taste. So as much as we come out here, man, I think the drive has gotten easier. Yeah. I remember oh, when... shit. That, that's, the, that's the chair. <laughs> the chair that's broken. Oh, man. If we were recording this, this would have been hilarious. Um, now i got to find another chair. Yeah, when I used to drive, when I used to drive from here, and I know it's not nearly as long, but when I used to drive a lot from here up to, to North Carolina to visit family and stuff, um, you know, it's a four-hour drive, give or take. After you do it enough times, it starts to kind of fly by. You just kind of get familiar with everything, but it uh, it's still not a short drive, though. No, no. And then uh, when I get back, I was uh, once I get in, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get you in if you're interested. But I was accepted into the secret society of the Charleston Brownwater Society. Ooh, fancy! Which uh, has members such as Sean Brock. Uh, you know, lots of famous people that live in or did live here. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I paid my dues and the Hibernian society is where the, uh, and I think that might have something to do with it, but that's, um, where they meet. That's where the new member Uh. meet is. And it's, it's, uh, five to eight on that Sunday after Rocker's dinner. Uh. So I got to try and be back by five. Yeah, we'll be we'll be bugging out early too. It's gonna be a quick trip for us. We're we're not driving up until early Friday morning, and then well, I guess let's step back a second and like let everybody know where you're at and why we're separated because we didn't discuss that. We did the first time. Before, yeah, I don't know I didn't that. I... Record. <laughs> oh well, yeah, got there's it. A, but I'm in uh, I'm in Kentucky for opening weekend, which uh, is gonna be fun, and then. I got to, you know, come back for work and then I'll be yeah. here again next weekend. Right, right. Um, for Rocco's dinner, which would be fun. But yeah, this weekend Rocco's got a uh, massive 10 point buck that he has patterned and every single day it's in the same spot right at dusk. So nice. We're going to, we're going to go film hopefully the capture of that animal. And uh, there's a nice eight point that sits there too. Are you going to release it when you're done? Yeah. Into my stomach. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah, um, Matt is, as we're recording this, um, like, he's, like he said, up in Kentucky, he will um, hopefully be putting some putting some meat on the ground. Well, Rocco will, and he'll be, well, are you, you're hunting too, right? So hopefully both of you are. Yeah, I'm going to, hopefully time, we get his opening you know, opening night, and then uh, and then I will get mine the next day. I think yeah. when I got here last night, um, 
it's kind of late, but uh, the headlights coming into the town, into uh, the property here, you, you know, that big field that we cut a square in and then left it. Um, yeah. The one we moved so the blind planted, out of. Yes. So we cut a square out of it. He, he tilted it up and put oats down huh. and they didn't take. Um, so I don't know what's out there, but it is green. But last night when I came in, there was a herd of deer. I mean, I couldn't tell what they were. Sure. I'm telling you, 10, 15 beer stand nice. in that little bitty square. So I think I'm going to go up on that hill right there and uh, just climb a tree. Yeah. Have you got any time? See what happens. Do you have, we hadn't talked about it, but have you gotten any time in the saddle yet? Not yet. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to break out the bow. I forgot my arrows for my recurve. So oh, I'll no. Be shooting, so I'll be shooting the bear um, instead, which, you know, whatever. Yeah, I forgot the arrows for the recurve, forgot my headlamp, forgot my skinning knife, I forgot um, a bag to put all my shit in while I climb a tree. You know, I was pretty prepared. Yeah, you did You did great. I'm proud of you. <clears throat> I brought I brought 12 <laughs> bottles of whiskey, though. <laughs> Priorities, man. Priorities. And 100 cigars. Thank you nice. to the Simply Stogies Club um, for hooking that up. We did a, another cigar drive thing. Yeah. So the... Trevor's running it, and every cigar was an entry. Cool. I think we got right right at a hundred. Um, and one of those guys will win every a piece of everything from our store, all of it. That's so cool. That's pretty exciting about that. Awesome. Well, thank you to those guys that did that and contributed. We appreciate that, as always. Um, no. Oh man, do we have any company stuff we wanted to highlight, folks, on before we get into any? Discussion stuff. I have some stuff to talk about today, but um, I want to make sure there's. Well, I was gonna, there. I was gonna go ahead and leak the uh, leak, leak the shirts. Maybe do it. We have uh, I'm not gonna say what they are, but we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a uh, that's loud as shit. And he said, "Oh, is this sorry?" <laughs> I'll turn it down. Okay. No, it's all good. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're making shirts. We we finally decided we we got told enough times that yeah. we need to have merch. So yeah, you have hats, you have shirts. Are, yeah, so the shirts are coming. The hats, I think we're probably going to do. You like that design that I made for the Hell's Angels? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Motorcycle jacket. Yeah. Yeah. So we can probably do that. That's that's very easy. That's that same picture that we use for the podcast. Yeah, okay, that's what I was. I just did a a color overlay. Okay. All I did. Okay, cool. So I was I was playing around with different ways to get that same output in whatever way you just described sounds a lot easier than what I was trying to do. I think that would be easy to embroider too. Yeah, I can I can whip that up pretty quick. It's not, not hard. Yeah. It's just it's the uh it's just that and then in Photoshop I just I just okay. did a uh, color overlay and I I did red. Yeah. And so nice. it turns it red. We'll just need to figure out like what we want to order and and what because we'll have to yeah, we have to pony up some cash for those, but part. I think it'd be cool to do white antlers and then a red Glencairn. A red Glencairn? Yeah, because then it would almost look like a Black Widow spider. But like, if you didn't know what it was, I think it would drum up conversation. People were like, is that a Black Widow? I'm like, no, no. I think you're just secretly trying to start a motorcycle club, dude. I, you know, I had an idea. I talked to uh, Michelle at One Nation Foundation yesterday oh, yeah? on the drive up, and. uh you never... She was telling me some. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's just go ahead. She said what? No. She was she was telling me some stuff um, that they're gonna do, and I was like, you know, I gotta tell you this. Like, as a just thinking like a veteran, as a veteran, 
like what we had in the army was pretty cool. Like you have a brotherhood, um, like the whole premise of it is you'll die for your country. So like you put the army first, family comes second, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and like these motorcycle gangs that they were started from the military from, you know, world war two. And I kind of like, I think I get it. I, th- I see, I see why I've always been attracted to, it. I mean, I'm, I can't do it. Obviously I wouldn't do it, but I can see why, uh, I've always liked the idea of it because it's like a brotherhood the club comes first and you know blah 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 yeah you get but the camaraderie cool command structure if, if you could you could do something like that with like a uh, a veteran group that like is for hire not for bad shit but like <laughs> you know uh say somebody's putting a roof on their house right so this brotherhood of veterans a secret club that you can't be you have to like prospect to be a member of and mm-hmm. prove your worth you know we show up and, and knock your roof out for you and, and Show like that. Yeah, I think it's yeah. fun. Drum it up. Like yeah, and I know what you were gonna say. No, she didn't. Um, she didn't email me, but I got her email address this morning. Oh, okay, so I'll, I'll forward that to you. Cool. Yeah, do that. And I'll send over the stuff we talked about. <clears throat> Should be fun. I'm, All right. I haven't decided if I want to if I want to like go to the driving range and and practice a little bit. Like knock Fuck off some no. knock knock off some golf rust, or if I just want to show up cold as shit with some borrowed clubs and just say fuck it. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm showing up with some women's clubs because that's you? what I've got. Nice. I'll, I'm going to have to ask around and see who's got clubs. Probably um, Justin might, my, my brother-in-law, who's like six foot four. He's going to have some giant like hockey stick size golf clubs that I'm going to have to swing. Okay. I thought about bringing those, uh, you know, those those balls that have the the gunpowder in them? Yeah. Just sprinkle those in some some balls. Some... Yeah. Just to <laughs> give a bunch of people heart attacks. Oh, and uh, by the way, the... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were, I was talking trash about the the law enforcement motorcycle club. Oh yeah, they're uh, they're going to be there. Yeah. Awesome. So hey, what's up, fellas? It's a joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, that's funny. Um, do we? Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh, let me smell this thing because now 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 I'm ready. Okay, talk to me about maple. it. Mm, lots of maple. I'm yeah, jealous. So, wherever they're getting their distillate from, I highly doubt they're doing it themselves. Well, it says 80% New York corn, 20% UK malt. Interesting. Four years or more. So that's so going to. They are distilling it themselves. It's their own distillate, huh? I'm interested to see how much of that malt, the malt is good because that, that can be very over, you know, that can take over a uh, flavor profile sometimes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it smells fantastic. It smells like maple syrup. It smells like uh, that barrel-aged maple syrup we use mm-hmm. for cocktails. Yeah, yeah. Let me give it a taste. Ooh, that is spicy. What? What is it? Proof-wise? It drinks really hot. It's uh, 60, 130. Wow. Solid. <laughs> it... it I think it drinks like one thirty. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure the the toothpaste isn't helping. Yeah, a little immediate heartburn too. <clears throat> but uh, this might be a after you've had a few. After you had a few, kind of warm up to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's good though. It's just it's got a lot. Uh, it's got a lot going on as far as the heat goes. Yeah, and I get, I can still feel it. Kind of that Kentucky hug, some throat punch there. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Good. It smells amazing though. 
Whoa, like I said, lost you, spicy. lost you there for a second. Uh, you said you just said it was spicy. Uh, Drinks hot. Yeah, second sip, same thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. This so not jet, as good as the original. The so the original though is just a is just a hundred proof. Yeah. Yeah. It's bottom and bond, so it's a. Gotcha. Oh, that's right. Yum yum. Um, do you have a do you, do you have something you wanted to plug this week? I was just going to plug Camp Hero in the dinner since you were there. Yeah, we can definitely plug Camp Hero, um, which I think we've done several times. But it goes without saying, we uh, we love two different organizations. We play the jingle first. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's Two organizations. This week's plug of the week. <laughs> it's uh, camphero.ky.org. Um, and we've plugged it before. It's Rocco. We love Rocco. But Camp Hero is an all-volunteer 501c3 nonprofit that helps heal wounded veterans, first responders, and grow future heroes. So they do more than just veterans. You can okay. go to camphero.ky.org. Sorry, we had uh, technical difficulties, but now we're good. Um, and Camp Hero is an all-volunteer 501c3 nonprofit that helps heal wounded veterans, first responders, and grow future heroes. And it's uh, Rocco and Lauren Bessignac, the good friends of ours. Um, excited to see Rocco. I haven't seen him yet since I've been here. But excited to hang out with him this weekend. And uh, Rocco is double retired, wounded veteran, wounded first responder, wounded law enforcement. And his story's pretty crazy. We've uh, told it before. He's told it before. Yeah, you can go check out those episodes. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure Gus will probably put a link in there. I can on whatever do that. that number it was. Yeah. But um, yeah, Camp Hero is awesome, and it's and it's all volunteer, so no one gets paid. And we we talk about this all the time. If you if you go to GuideStar, I think it's dot org, you can put in your favorite charity, and you can see what the CEO pays himself. You can see what all these all the money that goes into payroll, which we understand some charities are huge, and, and that needs to happen. And we're not discounting that those charities help veterans or help whoever we just uh we choose to like this one a little more because they don't do that so indeed um, yeah if you go to camp hero ky.org you can read all about it and you can see pictures of me all over it <laughs> which is fun nice yeah all right well uh let's, let's get into this uh this hunting topic for the week um do it i decided that uh, since public land hunting uh, is always an interesting topic that people are curious about, uh, people seems every year, year, year after year, people, more and more people are looking to take advantage of public land, uh, but how to hunt public land can sometimes be a bit of a challenge, right? Like if you've grown up hunting on private land, you always just kind of know your neighbor, your friend, or your uncle, or you know, those family members where you can just drive to and just sort of, you just know that area. Finding a public place to hunt can be a bit of a of a challenge for some people. Um, so today's topic is four steps uh, to find and determine a public land hunting location. And so I, th- this is based on our experience, you know, things that you and I have done previously on other hunts, uh, but just things that also I've... <clears throat> practiced not even necessarily always with with public land hunting 
but I think that they are important things to do before you determine exactly where you're going to hunt. So I'll read some of these off. I forgot to send it to you. So I'll read each one off and then um, we can talk about it and then just move on to the next one. Um, so the first one is pretty straightforward, right? And again, these are, these are steps. My, my, my goal was to take or consider the person who's maybe been hunting for a while or is new to hunting and wants to use and utilize public land. What steps would they need to take to find a location? Um, the first one is to just literally search for it. I mean, it sounds stupid, but get on a computer and literally search public hunting land near me. I did that exact search yesterday and you will get a like a plethora of listings from Google that includes Google Maps, you know, Google Map locations, um, as well as links to usually fish and game organizations for your state. And you will get a bunch of resources available to you to find a specific or to find a number of public land hunting opportunities near you. Um, I don't know of a awesome. yeah. I don't know of a simpler way to do it or or to give somebody the resources to do that. Um, you know, we live in a day and age where people just say, "Oh, just Google it." But sometimes it's not that straightforward, right? Um, it takes a little bit more than that, or knowing exactly you know what to search for. But it's really for this, and I think you would agree, it's it's really as simple as, as Google searching public land hunting or, or public land near me, and you will get a ton of information. Where to go from there is what we'll talk about next, but um, you can also use Onyx. You want to talk a little bit about Onyx and, and what kind of what it does and, you know, what it is, because you can you don't have to use Google. You can use, there's paid services and map uh, applications and GPS stuff that, that can help as well. I would love to. So Onyx, we uh, were lucky enough to get basically a lifetime subscription, um, which is cool. And they gave us something to give away, which we did in the past. But it's they, their slogan is "Maps for Hunting Made by Hunters. And just reading off something real quick that I just Googled, 852 million acres of public land is what they have mapped. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff on there that you can use. I use it not only for hunting, but if I'm like, Hey, um, who owns this house? <laughs> I can, uh, you can see who owns the house and look it up and see how rich they are. But <laughs> the other, the real reason that's for is if you drive by a property and you're like, this would be cool to hunt. You can look up and see who the property owner is. And you, you know, if you don't want to go knock on their door, you can write them a letter and you can address them yep. by their name. Or, um, a lot of times it will give you a foundation or a, uh, property owner, yeah. You can contact and see if you can hunt. But it's nice. We used it in uh, in Colorado. We went elk hunting. I use it a lot out here in Kentucky. Otherwise, I would probably end up dead in the woods and lost and scared like a little kitten. But, yeah. Yeah, Onyx is great. It's um, You can drop pins. You can make the routes. You can track where you're going. And, and you don't need a cell phone service at all. You use a satellite. Right. It's pretty dope. Yep. So a lot of those features are super useful for once you've determined where you're going to go. But like Matt said, there's a ton of information that it provides to you on. So they use overlays and, and, and so you can get overlays for specifically for like public land, um, you know, forestry service, uh, wildlife management areas. There's a bunch of different ones and you can just select that overlay and it will show you on the map where that property is. And uh, for the sake of public land hunting, it's, it's also useful 
for for access, right? Because sometimes public land is surrounded by private access. And so if you can get contact information for landowners, you can sometimes request permission to maybe use a road that, that maybe is on their land to access that public property. Or if you suspect that maybe a deer you've or, or an animal you've shot has ended up on private property, you can contact that inform, you know that that person and, and ask permission if that's required by your state to go cross that that property boundary and, and look for your animal. Um, so yeah, you know, searching using Google or using Onyx or some other map service like that uh, is is a great way to get a list of and an idea of the public land that's available around you. Um, where to go th- from there? That's kind of what we're going to talk about next. But um, again, Onyx, Google Maps, super easy, um, and you can find just about any and every available public piece of land or park uh, near you. So you've done that. You've figured out that you know. You have a ton of, of public land in your state, hopefully, places to hunt. Now, you know, now how do you decide um, where you're going to hunt? Um, I think there's a handful of things to consider, um, things that Matt and I have had to consider when traveling um, and deciding on where we're going to hunt, whether it's private land or not, or public land or not, is, you know, where the hell are we going to stay? You know, so if, if we're going to hunt public land and we decide we're going to camp, we need to make sure that they have camp spots, right? I mean... We've showed up places and yeah. there's, they say there's camp spaces, but really uh, not what we were expecting or not what we were hoping for. Um, you know, so considering what it is you plan to do, whether it's, if it's a one day hunt or you're going for, for multiple days, you know, considering all the logistics of how far away is that, that property, right? So if you're going, if you're, if you're, if you're going to stay in camp for a few days, but your the property is, you know, a 15 hour drive where you're going to eat up some time driving. So you need to coordinate that. Um, if you, if you can't and you need to be back home in the evening, well then you may need to pick some, some land that's a little bit closer. So obviously all those things come into mind when you're deciding which of those pieces of public land you found in that initial search. Um, I was also going to say, don't rule out, um, outfitters because yeah, we, we used one in Colorado with the head horses to take all of our junk up into a deeper part of the forest that we wouldn't have been able to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Foot. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that, that can really change the outcome of your hunt if, if you if you can get all of your gear in there so you can stay longer and deeper. And I mean, we never saw a single hunter the entire time we were in there because we were just so deep. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and and public land, and it was public land, and so. Uh, it was also just, you know, and, and this may be geared more towards an elk hunt or something. I'm not sure how many public land outfitters are, are you know, placing people in stands for whitetail. But the fact remains that if you have an outfitter or you can use a guide uh, service to point you in the right direction, maybe just for the initial hunt. Because I think Matt and I agree if we, if I say, I'll say when we make it back out to hunt elk again, we're probably not going to utilize necessarily um an outfitter we learned a bunch from that trip that i think we could do on our own it would just it would be circumstantial we may utilize an outfitter again but we learned a lot that trip the biggest thing from that trip uh, two biggest things was access this outfitter had uh, secured through payment access through private property to get into this area of public land so that was that was huge from the get-go nobody else could get to where we were going without crossing a ton of public land on an ATV or dirt bike and then dropping down into a, a bowl that was ridiculously steep. Um, so like you said, we never saw another hunter. The other thing I would say an outfitter or a, or a guide, if they can help you with public land, provides 
is um, kind of a peace of mind. Like it was nice knowing while we were out focusing on trying to find elk that if something happened, while it may take a day or so, uh, we could get something we needed with a radio call. Um, yeah, we could we could radio back and check in uh, and get them to come help us pack out meat with horses. Yeah. Th- those those were nice things um, that were nice pe- a nice peace of mind to have for two guys that were new to elk hunting and new to that terrain in that area. So from from the perspective of, of finding public land, whether it's for whitetail or for or for elk or whatever, if you if you can find services or people that are willing to help you, um, you know, even lend a hand, you know, even if it's not a paid service, just a friendly person. Um, those are always great resources and great ways to get a, get a hand up on, on deciding where exactly you're going to hunt with, you know, out of all the, the options that you have. Um, also consider, and go ahead. I was going to say also on that, um, before we went, we, we told each, we, I don't remember who said it. I think it's probably you. You were like, man, if we don't do this now, we're never going to do it. And uh-huh. I think that's a, huge thing because you're absolutely right if we didn't do it then when would we have when would we have had time to go i mean we, we can't do it with whiskey and whitetails we're just too busy yeah no it's it's definitely uh, it was definitely a good choice and i think uh, given the circumstances that we had it was the right time to do it and to make it happen um we could make anything just, happen that we want to with whiskey and whitetails but we're going to sacrifice other things that yeah. right now with what we're trying to do with the company it's just not probably the best thing to do i would love to be able to take an elk trip every year and have it be a whiskey and whitetails thing um yeah i just wanted to make that one of the one of the main sticking points here is like that public land's there you know it's there but if you don't make a decision set out a time block i'm going you're never gonna do it nope but it's a shame because it's there's so much beautiful areas that you can go to i mean it blows my mind that we don't do it more. I mean, we try and we, we go to hunts in a lot of different places and, yeah. and I, you know, I never even think about, let's just go to some public land in North Carolina and yeah. up in the mountains and see what we can find. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I mean, it's a gamble, right? And you, sure. uh, but it's a fair chase. You can't but, put cameras out and you can't put feed out. You, you right. Know. But we can do some of the stuff that we're going to discuss here in a second to help increase your chances on public land. Um, so so that's a good segue. Um, and I'll just close the deciding on a location piece with just consider all the things you need for that hunt. If you're going to stay, if you're staying in the weekend or a long period, make sure there's a place to stay campgrounds, you know, water bathrooms, whatever you need. You know, if you need to use or prefer to use a processor, make sure there's a processor somewhere nearby. And if not, that you have the resources and gear you need to to field dress a deer, break it down, and get it on ice at least until you can get it to a processor. Um, just consider all those things um, before you decide that, you know, X public land spot is where you're going to go. So um, the next, the third step in in finding and deciding on a location um, is going to be the e-scouting. And that's, that's utilizing the same Onyx Hunt uh, app we talked about or using Google Maps to spend some time really zoomed in close and looking at the areas where you're going to hunt. 
or where you're considering hunting. And you need to look specifically for whitetail. You need to be looking for those um, those things that are going to draw whitetail in. Um, some of those things are, you know, food, water sources, um, and different terrain features. Now, the you know, those individual things that attract deer, um, those, those things really honestly – um, could take up an entire dedicated podcast episode to discuss that kind of stuff. Um, but like I said, we're, we're, you're looking for whatever food they're, they're after that time of year, and that changes as the year goes on, so you need to be looking at that. Um, water sources, and then habitat and terrain features, like I said, right? Because that stuff also changes with the rut, with the time of year, um, all that kind of stuff. So e-scouting, I, don't, you know, I know we did a but I mean, we did that until we were blue in the face before we went on that elk hunt. We've done it. Yeah. Uh, we did it a bunch. I know you've done it a bunch every time you get you draw a lottery hunt. We did it a bunch before we hunted um, that lottery a couple years ago. Or was that last year? The one in... Um... Uh, did I tell you I got a lottery hunt this year? Did you? Yeah. Nice. Sorry, at? sorry to interrupt. No. It's the one place I've been trying to go for the past like six years. Bear Island? Web. Oh, Web. I got web archery the first oh the nice first, uh first round the first oh that's so perfect yeah dude it's thursday friday saturday and of course tyler is getting married on friday so that's we'll tell him cool. to move his wedding <laughs> right i was like dude i've I'll been trying him. to get this for so long i yeah, told I'll him tell i was like I, I i'll be honest with you i'm not sure i'm gonna make it and, uh, <laughs> and he was like that's fucked up <laughs> you should just not go and uh, <laughs> no right, you shouldn't dude. you shouldn't do that's messed up I'm, that's cool. You yeah, got invited. I'm, I'm gonna go out there. I'm his neighbor. He has to invite me. I know. I'm just fucking with him. They was they were talking about uh his bachelor party like right in front of me, and I, I thought an invite was gonna come. Yeah. And I was like, man, it sounds like you guys are gonna have a lot of fun. He was like, oh yeah, oh, sorry, man. It's like it's 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 bridal party only. Like no, nah, I'm not I'm not gonna go. I can't leave the country anyway. <laughs> Where the fuck are they going? I don't know. Some some not not the United States. Oh. Fun. Tyler's, yeah. Tyler's got that kind of money. Yeah. Well, you know, or he's time, got daddy money. Time. <laughs> he has daddy money. Oh, okay. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Good for His him. His dad just bought a one and a half million dollar yacht. Oh. When yeah. are we going fishing? Right. Right. Interesting. I think it's one and a half. I could be wrong. Oh, I have two things before we continue since we're off topic now. <laughs> okay. uh, we'll get back, right? Yep. Uh, oh, anyway, so I think I'm going to leave Wednesday. And then hunt Thursday morning, Friday morning, come back because it's only two hours. Yeah. And then, um, and then I guess I'll just bolt hunt that Saturday, which sucks. But hopefully, I can get it done Thursday. You know. Yeah. So here's the off off topic thing. Okay. Oh, let's do the random fact. I got it right now. Oh, you do have a random fact? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Unless right. you, you unless you had something more important. Mine's a white tail fact. Yeah. So is mine, but yours is probably more interesting. Okay. We'll just do them both if we need to. Yeah, we'll do them both. All right. Is that still loud, your headphones? No, it was good. Okay. So my wife told me this because, you know, she's an animal person. She basically has a PhD in a – oh, damn, I forgot the joke. What's yeah. the, that movie where the doctor can talk to animals? Oh, uh, Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. So, yeah, she has a PhD like Dr. Doolittle. Um, <laughs> but so she follows somebody that has – that keeps white-tailed deer as farm pets or something. I don't know. And so the lady 
tells like interesting things that most people wouldn't know. So she told me this. So props to Andy for this fact. But white-tailed deer in captivity, males, uh-huh. which after going through this deer steward class, it'll make a lot of sense. Yeah. So if you snip them, cut their balls, castrate them, I don't know the best way to say it, cut yeah. their balls off um, before they get their antlers, like their first set of antlers, yeah. they, they will never grow antlers. Hmm. I believe if, it. If you castrate them after they get that little knot on their forehead where the antlers are, yeah, they will never come out of velvet. So they'll they'll keep velvet antlers the entire season until they fall off. Interesting. Well, yeah, <clears throat> the growth of antlers and the that process of shedding that velvet are both driven by increases of testosterone mm-hmm. that take place as a part of the. Uh, photo blah 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 whatever the word is the changing in the amount of daylight in a day right and that yep. drives that drives reproduction and the rut and everything else so the timing of doing those things and stopping that testosterone after that phase makes complete sense yep and if you are interested yeah. in learning more about that you can check out our patreon where you get monthly whiskey uh, bourbon and uh, deer steward focused classes <laughs> yes Yep, we just did a whitetail one. We're going to do another whiskey one this this month. And uh, some folks in there are, are going to get samples as well. Nice. Interesting fact. So the uh, the fact that I had had, did you, was there something else you wanted to add to that? No, I was just looking at the uh, the Libby's canned country sausage gravy. And mm. forgot how delicious that is. You're about to just eat a can of that? It's got Should the sausage in it, right? bro. Yeah, sausage in it. <laughs> Well, the um, the random fact I was gonna I was I was diving a little bit into the history of whitetails um, from a conservation standpoint in the U.S. and I knew I knew that we had hunted them as a country. We had hunted them very, very low, almost to extinction, um, or at least to an endangered point where it was a, a real problem across the United States. But I did not realize how low we got in terms of population um, in the mid twentieth century. The whitetail deer population reached a low of approximately 500,000 in the entire country. That's, that's 1.6% of the population we have today. We have greater than 30 million in the continental U S today, but they had hunted them down to less than half, almost to roughly half a million. That's pretty crazy. Um, and so that just goes to show from, the mid 20th century to now. So I think we're, you know, we're talking about the 1950s or sixties, whenever the, I have to go back and look um, when QDM and efforts to, to really re uh, reintroduce and repopulate whitetail across the country happened, you know, but between that and just the North American um, standard or, or model of conservation that, um, that we kind of adhere to and that most of our, our wildlife management is based off, we've been able to increase it by up to th- over 30 million. Anyways, I just thought it was a baffling number. Yeah. I know that um, they pretty much wiped out a bunch of different species back then yep. when, uh, during the fur trade and they would just stack them yeah, up. Same it's with like, you see those pictures of, uh, the Buffalo man. That's oh like yeah. The Buffalo thing's wild. Dead Buffalo with no skin on them. Like they just cape them and throw the bodies away. And it's like, unbelievable yeah it's pretty wild um some of the stuff that we did (laughs) across this country 
anyways, you can yeah. experience those uh, those public what are are now in many places public lands for yourself and see where those buffalo lay um, by hunting on public land. So we're gonna get back to our <laughs> hunting on public land. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tips. Sorry. No, it's okay. I uh, just want to make sure we didn't get too far off track, and I'll, I'll finish these points, and then we can talk about whatever else. But um, so we were finishing up point three, which is to do your e scouting, right? Check out and look, use Onyx Maps or or Google Maps and look for those uh, for indications of food and for water and water. You know, f- depending on what they're eating that time of year. And if you're wondering how you're going to do that, right? Look for potential um, fields. Uh, you can some you can oftentimes tell the difference between hardwoods and pines uh, in trees on on maps. So try to identify those those changes where you maybe you'll find acorns versus where you won't look for the water sources and try to identify those areas and those, those terrain features that are uh, in, you know, tend to attract deer. So you're, you're looking for ridges. Um, you're looking for funnel points. Um, you know, those areas that tend to um, funnel in and draw deer and in, in terms of how they like to, to uh, negotiate ridge lines or mountains or, or paths to walk Um so look for those areas and, and determine and get an idea of where it is you're going to hunt, right? So that's step three. The fourth step and the, and the final step is kind of the most flexible, uh, but I, th- I think it's still necessary. Um, I, I guess I should take, take, take a step back. It can be unnecessary, but it's super helpful if, you take, if you're able to, to take step four, and that is to do some actual on-the-ground like reconnaissance and scouting. Now, if you're in the middle of, of uh, if the hunting season started and you're looking to take a quick trip somewhere, you may not have time to drive there and put feet on the ground, walk around, maybe identify a specific area, you know, confirm what you saw for water, food sources, do all that kind of stuff. You may not have time to do that. Bonus points if you do, and you can you can narrow it down damn t- to a damn specific tree. Um, if you're able to, mm-hmm. but you and I have, have also said, Hey, we're going to hunt here. Let's go set up camp and let's just go to this area and find a tree without having been there previously. We've done that before and we've seen deer. We've shot deer doing that, doing that way, but it's, it's kind of a toss up, right? You're, you're counting on your selection of the spot being remote and far enough away that people haven't pressured it. And that there's just going to be, hopefully be deer there based on the other features that you've identified. It doesn't always work that way. Um, you know, we've done that a bunch here in Francis Marion, right? Just showing up. Yep. Um, so, yes, it's it's not a required step, but like I said, um, in terms of four steps for identifying and, and determining on a location to hunt, once you've sort of narrowed it down, if you have the time to get out and put some, put some boots on the ground, as they say, and get an actual look, it's also a time to make sure that um, other stuff is, is good to go as well. Like, out here where we hunt a lot, um, you know, it's what's readily available to us here in the, the low country. It's not uncommon to drive up, you know, public land and find a road that's washed out because of a, a bunch of rain or a hurricane um, or other storms. So taking an opportunity, if you have, if you can, to drive the roads and make sure they, they, they fucking work. Because we've gotten turned yeah. around. We've, we've gone out the, two years ago, three years ago, we drove out to Francis Marion out near... Uh, the seaweed outpost, hole. yeah, and yeah. we that bridge was and closed. That bridge is gone. Yeah, and yeah. that I mean that that caused an extra thirty minutes just to get drive all the way around and get yeah. to another spot. So, if you can have if you can take the time once you've determined 
what that location is that you want to target to hunt to go out there and drive just to make sure stuff is is the way the maps say they are that's helpful your department of natural resources or fishing game or whomever whatever organization your state has will also often have the latest updates on that kind of thing so if you don't have an opportunity to to scout let's say you're planning an out-of-state public land hunt all these same steps still apply but i would recommend maybe giving uh, DNR or fishing game a call and just say, Hey, I'm looking to come and camp in this area or hunt in this area. Is there anything I need to know about? Are there any roads closed or anything like that? And, and they can, they will generally have the most up-to-date information. So that's a, it's a good step right. to take. Yeah, anything the to add? Too is yeah. If you can, if you can get the DNR guy to tell you anything, usually they won't, but if you can get them to tell you anything, they're a great source of information. Yeah. There's it, a, like the deer check-in yep. tent. When you go in public land, there's typically going to be a check-in station. Yep. Go up there and talk to somebody. Like, hey, it's my first time out here. Do you have a, a general area? I mean, he's not going to really tell you anything specific because that's, you know, that's your job as a hunter right. to figure out where to go. Sure. Um, plus, it's not fair. But he may say, hey, look for this kind of sign or look for this. Because what he told us was the, uh, he's like, no, but I'll tell you that we do food plots all over the place. So if you pull up a map and find a food plot that you don't think people notice or people go to, yeah, it's hard to get to. That might be a good one. Yeah, and so that's that's what we did. You killed a deer out there, and um, Mr. Livingston, may he rest in peace. But he uh, he uh, he had a spot that he never told anybody. Yeah, he'd go back there and he'd kill a deer every year. Nice in the same spot. Nice. Yeah, that's always a fun a fun. Uh, a fun hunt out there. And I found, I think probably as you have that, uh, if, if you want to try and get some of that info, some of those maybe, uh, local tips from uh, a game warden or, or fishing game guy, uh, the ones that are out and about patrolling, those are the ones to ask and chat up a little bit. Don't, don't call and mm-hmm. ask the person at the, uh, that's working the ranger station. Cause they probably are dealing with phone calls all day and they're not going to want to chit chat, but the guys that are out patrolling or working the check-in station, they're out by themselves most of the day and they're happy to sit and have a conversation with another human being most of the time. Yeah, um, and sure. if you just kind of grease the skids a little bit and, and, and shoot the shit with them and, um, you know, get a good rapport, most of them will give you a hint, um, as to maybe an area to look at. Maybe, you know, a lot of times they'll know what the deer are after that time of year. So maybe they've already transitioned and are going after acorns or maybe it's later in the season and they're moving away from acorns and they're hitting up the food plots they planted for those winter oats or those other, uh, maybe they've planted turnips or some other green that's that's good late in the season. Um, and, th- and they're they're usually happy to kind of point you in the right direction because they don't have anything to lose. They want to see people using the public land and they want to see people f- have success. So while they're not going to tell you exactly where to go hunt, they'll definitely, you know, almost always give you some help. Yeah, for sure. So that's it, guys. That's Those are the four tips or steps to find and decide uh, public land location. Um, you know, just... The first step, literally just search, just Google it. Use Onyx Maps or use Google. Um, the, the 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 second being to decide on a location, you know, based on the logistics and the sort of the, the big picture requirements that you have for, for, for that weekend or for your hunt or whatever it is. Do some detailed e-scouting and figure out exactly, you know, a general area of where you want to hunt based on what the whitetail are doing that time of year. And then try to get some some scouting done if you can, um, or call around and, and and talk talk to someone when you get there. Um, and you should be able to to narrow it, narrow it down to a pretty decent hunting spot. Now, what to do once you're there, and and how to uh, 
how to spend some detailed time on the e-scouting portion, um, our different podcast topics, different article topics that we can get into a different time. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I uh, just thought it might be helpful for folks who are starting the season off and not sure quite how to start. Um, let us know if you have anything to add in the, in the comments or shoot us a message on the socials. Also, I've noticed that a lot of people that I talk to about hunting, especially people at work, because I mean, people at work know what I do sure. Um, outside of work, but they're always like, I just don't know where to go. I don't have any property. And I'm like, dude, there's so much. I mean, if you pull up a map of South Carolina, like, let me just pull it up. Let, well, let's see South Carolina WMA. I bet you it's massive. I mean, there's so yeah. much land. What's well, like you were talking about, you know, the fact that we don't take advantage of it as much as we'd like to. I, I live 15 minutes from one of the biggest national forests in the state, you know, Francis Mary National Forest. And yeah. from from kind of where we are in in Charleston, North Charleston Peninsula, that this, this sort of area where we're at, if you if you're looking at it from uh an east to west kind of positioning. If you go straight north, like I don't know how many miles is is national forest. Like, yeah, like before you get to there's, the next city, the next town. There's nineteen thousand two hundred thirty nine acres of public hunting land in South Carolina. Nineteen thousand acres. Yeah, that's a lot. And if you want to hunt deer, there's good chance there's deer on that land, and good chance you can find a spot nobody's been to. But you got to be wow, willing. I just found found a website backcountrychronicles.com forward slash public hunting land. Um, Alaska is number one with three hundred sixty five thousand acres of public land. How big is the state of South Carolina? I don't know. <laughs> I'm a, sure I can Google it. That's a lot of public land. I would Google that's it. Alaska. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm comparing the amount of public land in Alaska versus the actual size of whole states. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The South Carolina one, oh, hold on, this is actually a really good um, website. So 19,239, according to this website in South Carolina, that is 4% of the state is public land, which is 0.2 acres per person. <laughs> Jeez. Not great odds there. Man, this website is so full of fascinating information. Uh, so Nevada, 76% of the state is public land. Damn. That's pretty crazy. That's a lot. So, yeah, so that makes I mean, it, it makes lot. sense whenever you meet people and you hear people talk and it's like all they hunt is public land. Well, you know, there are some places in the country where public land's easier to come by than private land opportunities, right? Like it's for sure. It's just the way, and in a lot of places, you know, some places are so developed and, and resources are so, um, so limited that, you know, the, the public land that's available or the private property that is available in a lot of places just may not be great land to hunt on. You know, you mean North Carolina, North Carolina has 31,000 acres of public land. You can hunt, and yeah. it's right right there. Georgia has thirty six thousand. So just in the state north and south of us, there's 
in our state, there's about 80,000 acres of public land yeah. that we could hunt. And I've got, you know, I've got a place to stay if we ever needed to, um, in, in North Carolina, as, as do you, that's pretty central to a lot of those areas to hunt. It would never be a problem to crash on a guest bed or a, or a couch if we had to. So this totals, this is, this is a, such a fascinating website. So total in the United States, including Hawaii and Alaska, 2,260,380 acres of public hunting land. Holy cow. Yeah. How much no of that, excuse. How, many, how much of that public land or protected forest do you think the American people are going to be willing to give up to mine all of the precious metals we need to meet the electric car requirements? Yeah. Just curious. Which is funny because uh, <laughs> the people that want to do people that want electric cars are, are the same people that don't rip apart public land. Except that's is, exactly what's going to have to happen yeah. if we're going to be able to meet yeah. the demand. Because right now the the right now China and overseas has the market and all the precious metals that are used to make those batteries. Yeah, yeah, it's just funny. Yeah. It's funny to see. It, well, anyways, I'm not going to go down the, that political rabbit hole right now. I was going to say if you're going to, I was going to recommend you listen to the. Uh, the latest podcast Joe Rogan did with uh, Alex uh, Bronson or whatever his name is, the yep. guy that got canceled on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, he's next. On, I, I'm, I'm listening to the Aaron Rodgers one right now. I didn't, I didn't listen. I don't really listen to him that often. I just don't have time, but I listened to that one on the way up here, and uh, we we're right all along. Pretty fascinating. Not <laughs> we're right that, all along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're about at the top of the hour. Um, anything else we want to talk yeah. about or discuss for? Before you get out of here, nope. I know you got you got shit to do. It's the end of the day, and you've got uh, you've got prepping to do for the weekend. So, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm about to uh, I'm about to uh, go wax the truck. I haven't done that in a year. Nice. I haven't, I haven't washed it in over a year. So, oh, well, have fun. Go with do that, that, and then uh, get some hunting done, and, and uh, see what happens. Cool, man. Well, be safe, have fun, and uh, if you're listening to this, check on Instagram um, or social media. Hopefully, there's some pictures of Rocco and Matt with some uh, some thick boys, some Kentucky thick boys. When this episode comes out, there better be a picture on Instagram <laughs> with uh, at least of Rocco. He's been you guys have been talking about that for months. Dude, he's every single day that deer is there. Every single day. Well, I hope he I hope he fucking snags him, man. Snag. Cool, man. All right. Well, enjoy your trip. Talk to you later.